Good morning, everyone. Welcome. It's good to be here praising God together, worshiping Him together. Welcome if you're here, and also welcome if you're watching uh, on the live stream at home. We are with you, and we are God's people worshiping together. Um, there's no Sunday school today. That's uh, one notice I've been asked to uh, announce. No Sunday school. Um, there will be refreshments. Thank you to Marie and family for providing those. So there will be tea and coffee after the, the service. Um, the funeral for Les Ratherham will be on Thursday at uh, 12, 12 noon here at the church <clears throat> with the committal at Streetly Crematorium 
at 1.30. And uh, uh, Steve this morning is preaching in Tipton, so we'll remember him in prayer. And uh, please come again this evening at 6 o'clock. Uh, Gareth will be uh, preaching and uh, leading us in considering the Lord Jesus, the vine. He is the vine and we are the branches. I think that's all the things I need to uh, announce in the way of notices. Um, let's just pray together. Let's pray. Lord God, we ask for help this morning to turn from the busyness of the morning and the pull of other duties to pause and for a while recognise that according to your promise, you are here among us. So we pray, Lord Jesus, stand among us in your risen power. Let this time of worship be a hallowed hour. Bless and be with Steve in Tipton, we pray, as he preaches there this morning. Bless the fellowship there, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to sing How Deep the Father's Love for Us.
Our reading this morning is taken from Isaiah chapter 53, and that's on page 741 in the Church Bibles, or 1147 in the large print. Isaiah chapter 53. Who has believed our message, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before his shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away, Yet who of his generation protested? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgressions of my people he was punished. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, he will see his offspring and prolong his days, and the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied by his knowledge. My righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great, and he will divide the spoils of the strong, because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with with the transgressors. For he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. May God speak to us through the reading of his holy word. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, we come this morning with praise and thanksgiving. Lord, we come and praise you and thank you for all that the Lord Jesus Christ has done for us upon the cross. As we have been reminded by the prophet Isaiah that he bore our iniquities. And Lord, we come and we thank you for what the Lord Jesus Christ has done for us upon the cross. Lord, we thank you that he bore our punishment and our sin and we have peace with you and that we can come into your presence this morning with rejoicing and praise, not because of what we are, not because we are worthy, but because the Lord Jesus Christ shed his blood upon the cross. And we thank you this morning, Heavenly Father, for your word. Lord, we thank you that we have it Lord, so freely and openly. And Lord, we thank you for it and for all that it speaks to us. We have your revelation to us and in it we have all that we need to live godly lives. And Lord, we thank you for the preaching of God's word, both here and Lord, throughout the land and throughout the ages for all who have faithfully ministered your word. We do pray for our brother Alan this morning as he ministers your word to us, that, Lord, you will give him mighty unction and that the word may come in the power of the Holy Spirit and touch our hearts. We pray for our brother Steve again at Tipton 
and we ask the same blessing upon him and upon those of our brothers and sisters who meet there. And Lord, we do thank you for the privilege we have of being able to meet together again and that we can meet freely, Lord, and without the fear of persecution. And Lord, we do pray for our brothers and sisters in other lands, Lord, where that is not so, for those who meet, Lord, in fear, and Lord, those who risk their lives in the proclamation of the gospel. And Lord, we do pray this morning that we might know your presence among us. Lord Jesus, stand among us in your risen power. And Lord, we pray for those of our brothers and sisters who are unable to meet with us this morning. Lord, we pray for those who are not well and those who are at home, Lord, who perhaps are looking after them as well. Lord, we do bring them all before you. Lord, and just ask that they too may know your presence, perhaps as they are with us online. And we thank you for the technology that enables this. And Lord, we do pray for those, Lord, who over this time have perhaps lost the desire to meet with us. Lord, we just ask that you would touch their hearts this morning and bring them back to yourself and give them the desire once again to meet with your people and to praise and to worship you in corporate worship. Lord, we do pray for those who are unwell, Lord, this morning of our number, Lord, and there are many. Lord, we just ask that you would put your healing hand upon them and be near to them, that they may know your presence. Lord, and we continue to pray for those who mourn the loss of loved ones. Again, Lord, we just ask you would draw near to them and that you would comfort them and that they may know your hand and your presence with them. And Lord, we continue to thank you for all that we have. Lord, we thank you that you have provided our, our physical needs. Lord, and we know that there are many brothers and sisters in Christ around the world, Lord, who are suffering, and Lord, who are hungry or thirsty and homeless. And Lord, we do bring them all before you, Lord, and pray for them. Lord, we do pray for, Lord, the spiritual needs of each one of us, Lord, and we do thank you that we know that our spiritual needs can and will be met in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, Heavenly Father, as we come this morning, we bring these, our prayers, in the name of our Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you, Robert. Well, our next song encourages us to continue to consider the cross and our Lord Jesus Christ and all that he's done for us. So we'll stand and sing, come and see the King of Love.
going to read again from the New Testament this time from Luke chapter 23. Luke 23. Um, sorry, I haven't got a page for the large print, but that is 1060, 1060 in the Church Bible. And uh, we're reading from uh, verse... As the soldiers led him away, they seized Simon from Cyrene, who was on his way in from the country, and put the cross on him, and made him carry it behind Jesus. A large number of people followed him, including women who mourned and wailed for him. Jesus turned and said to them, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me. Weep for yourselves and for your children. For the time will come when you will say, Blessed are the childless womb, the wombs that never bore and the breasts that never nursed. Then they will say to the mountains, Fall on us, and to the hills, Cover us. For if people do these things when the tree is green, what will happen when it is dry? Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the Skull, they crucified him there, along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching, and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, He saved others. Let him save himself, if he's God's Messiah, the Chosen One. The soldiers also came up and mocked him, They offered him wine vinegar and said, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was a written notice above him which read, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence? We are punished justly. For we are getting what our deeds deserve, but this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. It was now about noon and darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. For the sun stopped shining and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Jesus called out, with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. When he had said this, he breathed his last. Pray God's blessing on his word that he will speak to us. Well, we picked up that reading as the soldiers led Jesus out to be crucified. And uh, prior to this, as we read, if you read earlier on, Uh, Just setting the scene on the Thursday, the day before, Judas had agreed to betray Jesus. Jesus and the disciples had gathered together for the Last Supper. And following that, they leave the the room where they are. And Jesus goes to pray on the Mount of Olives. And remember, he kneels and he 
prays there, Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will be yours. And then the crowd arrived, comprising the chief priests and the officers of the temple guard, and guided by Judas, who is carrying out his plan, they seize Jesus and take him to the house of the high priest. The disciples all scatter. Peter stays close by, but denies Jesus three times, as Jesus said he would. And then the Lord Jesus is mocked and beaten. At daybreak on Friday, an illegal court uh, is convened and they condemn him. They take him off to Pilate, the Roman governor, who alone can give the death sentence. Pilate finds no basis of a charge against Jesus and wanting to escape responsibility, sends him off to Herod. But that doesn't work because Herod just ridicules and mocks him, dresses him in an elegant robe and sends him back to Pilate. Pilate again tries to release Jesus. I find no basis of a charge against him, but the crowd shout and insistently demand that he be crucified and their shouts prevailed. So Pilate weakly decides to grant their demand. He released the man who had been thrown into prison for insurrection and murder, the one they asked for, that's Barabbas, and they surrendered Jesus to their will. And so Jesus is led out to be crucified. Earlier, Robert read to us Isaiah's remarkable prophecy of the cross and resurrection of our Lord Jesus. And as we set that chapter against what we've read here, Isaiah's prophecy, written, remember, 700 years before the events, reads like a running commentary of the events that have been pl played out on that Good Friday. Isaiah gives us an insight into what was really going on, beyond the things that were seen out, outwardly. He shows us who was really in control. He tells us that Jesus Christ, in his, in his crucifixion, was taking our pain. He was bearing our suffering. He was bearing the punishment of our sins. The wrath of God was poured out on him instead of us. The punishment we deserve, he took. The punishment that brings us peace and healing. We're the ones who, like sheep, have gone astray and turned from to our own way. Every single one of us has done this. And all the massive, cumulative iniquity of mankind is laid on Jesus at the cross. He had done no violence. There was no deceit in his mouth, but it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. The mob cries out, he trusts in God. Let God rescue him if he wants him. But Isaiah reminds us that that's not the end of the story. He will see his offspring. He will prolong his days and the will of the Lord will prosper in his hands. And then Isaiah says, he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors. For he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. And as Jesus hung on that middle cross, he was crucified along with two thieves. He was numbered with the transgressors. He was surrounded by other transgressors, soldiers scoffing, rulers sneering, insults hurled at him, hurled at him. His response was, he made intercession for the transgressors. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And for a time this morning, we'll just consider these three crosses, what Jesus did and said, and what was happening to these two criminals. And I hope we'll go away remembering that there are two ways to die. First, let me take you to verses 32 to 34. Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the Skull, they crucified him there, along with the criminals, one on his right and the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. Here we discover in Jesus' words that for all of us, 
there is forgiveness available. Forgiveness available because he took our place. He was numbered with the transgressors along with the criminals. Remember the one who should have been on that middle cross, Barabbas. We know he was a murderer. We know he was an insurrectionist. He had uh, been involved in uprisings. That's why he had the, the sentence of crucifixion, the most severe the Romans could give. So the man who needed no forgiveness took the place of the man who had no hope. And in the same way, Jesus takes our place. He is our substitute. He was crucified with one on his right and one on his left. He was numbered with those transgressors. And he was in the middle as if he was the worst of the worst. Such was the shame that the Lord Jesus was willing to suffer. What do you think? Did Jesus take your place? Or did he die only for murderers? Can you see that the cross is where you and where I fully deserve to be? Now I'm not talking about the violence done by men, but the judgment meted out by God because Jesus was under the wrath of God, bearing shame and scoffing rude. In my place, condemned, he stood. There is forgiveness available because Jesus prayed, Father, forgive them. There are none outside of the scope of that prayer. Isaiah says he made intercession for the transgressors. Is there any sin greater than the sin that crucifies the Lord of glory? And yet Jesus remarkably says, Father, forgive them. There's forgiveness available because only the power of God can heal our spiritual blindness. Jesus said, for they do not know what they are doing. These people were rejecting the Saviour who had lived among them and performed many miracles. The crowd themselves admit he saved others, but they still reject him. They did not know, they truly did not know what they were doing. But isn't there a sense in which the, this can be said of all of us if we don't believe? If we're living our lives in unbelief, if we're rejecting what Jesus has done, it truly can be said of us, surely we don't know what we're doing. After the Lord Jesus rose from the dead and sent the Holy Spirit upon the apostles, Peter, who had denied Jesus, became a fearless preacher of the cross. And in Acts 3, we see him preaching after the healing of the lame man at the temple. And he says, The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed, and you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the holy and righteous one, and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. And then he says to them, Now, fellow Israelites, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did your leaders. But this is how God fulfilled what he had foretold through all the prophets, saying that his Messiah would suffer. Repent and turn to God, so that your sins may be wiped out and the times of refreshing may come from the Lord. I know that you acted in ignorance. They had had all the prophets through all the ages, and yet they did not know what they were doing. They were blind, but the power of God brought them to conviction, repentance, and faith. And thank God, forgiveness is still available because the power of God still today does the same thing. Let's move on to verses 35 to 39. The people stood watching and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, he saved others. Let him save himself if he is God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, if you're the king of the Jews, save yourselves, yourself. There was a written notice above him which read, this is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. Well, there was forgiveness available, but tragically, 
Here we see forgiveness rejected. Forgiveness re rejected by the rulers and the crowd. He saved himself, he saved others, let him save himself. The same people who had witnessed his life and ministry among them, who acknowledged that he saved others, still rejected that forgiveness that was offered to them. One commentator has said this, it was an ingratitude which admits of no excuse that taking offence at the present humiliation of Christ, they utterly disregard all the miracles which he had formerly performed before their eyes. They acknowledge that he saved others. By what power or by what means? Why do they not in this instance at least behold with reverence an evident work of God? If you're not a Christian, I would respectfully ask you, have you looked at the evidence? Christian faith is not a leap in the dark. It's based on solid, verifiable truths. Some of those, many of those around the cross would have missed, witnessed the ministry of Jesus over the three years of his ministry. They did not reject him through lack of evidence. Well, forgiveness was rejected also by the soldiers. If you're the king of the Jews, they sneered, save yourself. These were the soldiers who had already beaten Jesus, spat on him, twisted a crown of thorns for his head and mocked him. What's the, what's the response of the Lord Jesus? Father, forgive them. But then they ignore him and their mocking continues. And then forgiveness rejected personally. One of the criminals hurled insults at him. See how Luke leads us from the general crowd to a particular group, the soldiers, and down to a single individual, one of the criminals. Yes, sin is a personal responsibility. We can't lump ourselves with everybody else and say, I'm not as bad as it, I'm no worse than anyone else. No, one of the criminals. And Isaiah says, we all like sheep have gone astray. There's the general, we're all included. But then he says, each of us has turned to his own way, down to the specific, each as individuals. So here is the personal responsibility. It was my sin that held him there. But what a tragic situation. A man in agony in the last hours of his life hurls insults at the one he has just heard say, Father, forgive them. And we too are here today. We hear the words of Jesus in the Bible, in his word that we've read. Father, forgive them. What do we say to him in response? Do we reject him? Do we turn away? as this man did, as the crowd did, as the soldiers did? Or do we turn to him? Do we joyfully receive from his gracious hand the gift of forgiveness? Reading on to verse 40. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you're under the same sentence. We're punished justly for we're getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. Here we see forgiveness received. Forgiveness received by a prepared heart. This criminal was prepared by conviction. Don't you fear God? He says in rebuke to the other man, here is a man under the weight of judgment. He knows he's about to die and he knows he's not ready to face judgment. Above all his pains and all his torture on the cross, above all of that, he comes to fear God above everything and is appalled that his fellow criminal should be so blind. He's prepared by conviction. And is prepared by realisation. We are punished justly. 
Perhaps for the first time in his life, it's come to him. I'm getting what my deeds deserve. Matthew, in fact, tells us that at the start, when they were nailed to the cross, both of the criminals hurled insults at Jesus. But here's a man prepared by realisation. I'm here because I deserve to be here. I'm here under the just penalty and punishment of God. You know, no one will ever, ever be able to accuse God of being unfair and dealing unfairly with them. This man has done nothing wrong. How do we measure the seriousness of our sin? Do we measure it by our own estimation of ourselves? I'm okay. I'm no worse than most. I'm better than some. I'm doing all right, thanks. Or by, or do we measure it by the understanding of what it took, the man on the middle cross, the man who's done nothing wrong, the Lord Jesus, to save us? Forgiveness was received by a prepared heart. Forgiveness was received by asking, Jesus, remember me. Here was the great turning around, the great turning point of this man's life. He couldn't turn over a new leaf. He couldn't say, well, I want to go and do better than I've done before. He had zero chance of making amends. But turning to the only one who can sa could save him. Have you turned to him? Have you turned to him? And forgiveness received by an answered prayer. Jesus answered him. Jesus answered him. He asked and Jesus answered. Jesus didn't say, it's too late, you've had it. Do you know that Jesus promises to answer all who ask him? Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. And he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks it will be opened. God says, call to me and I will answer you. How feeble must have been the call of this dying man in his last hours. How weak, how full of fear, how totally overwhelmed by wrath. But he asked and he was answered. And it was forgiveness received without payment. He had no chance to make amends. He had no chance to prove himself as a better person. And here's a word for every single one of us uh, this morning who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. We have to remind ourselves, don't we, of the cross really every single day. That it, it was he paying, he dying for me, he paying for my sins that saves me. And nothing that I can do, nothing in my hand I bring. Paul says it is by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It's a gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. We have to struggle every day, don't we, to remind ourselves that we are saved by grace alone, through faith alone. And it was forgiveness received immediately. Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise. No waiting to reform. Everything needed is obtained and given by the Lord Jesus Christ. Today you will be in, with me in paradise. Paradise was promised to this man, but not quite yet. John tells us that the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first man who had been crucified with Jesus and then those of the other. But when they came to Jesus and found that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. I think this is wonderful, you know. Jesus preceded the man in dying first. Go back to John's Gospel and Jesus talking to his disciples before his arrest. I'm going to prepare a place for you, he said. And he did that even for the thief on the cross, didn't he? He died first. And then the soldiers came. They break the legs of the criminals. 
because that hastens their death. So he's forgiven, but for a little while he's not quite in paradise. But he is in paradise because he's forgiven. And it's the same with us. We need to live in the certainty of that future, future salvation. And in this, this respect, the only difference between us and this man is the time span between present forgiveness and future salvation. And finally, forgiveness was received through the love of God. Jesus didn't say, today you're going to be in paradise. He said, today you're going to be with me in paradise. Jesus wanted this man to be with him because he loved him. Indeed, paradise is where Jesus is. In that great, uh, in the great book of Revelation, John depicts the whole company of the church of God around the throne, praising the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lamb who was slain, the one in the center on the throne. Paradise is where Jesus is. And the words of the Lord Jesus himself in his great prayer just before his arrest, recorded in John 17, he says, Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you love me before the creation of the world. How do we measure the extent of God's love? Well, we can't really, can we? Oh, the deep, deep love of Jesus, vast, unmeasured, boundless, free. We mustn't measure it by how we feel or what our circumstances are. No, we come again to the cross. We hear the words, Father, forgive them. Today, you will be with me in paradise. These two criminals on each side of the Lord Jesus were both facing imminent death. But they teach us this morning that there are two ways to die. Both were criminals and were receiving a just punishment. Both had no chance to reform. But one turned to Jesus and one turned away. Forgiveness is still available. These two teach us that it's never too early to ask for forgiveness. But any day may be too late. Why? Didn't the thief leave it to the last opportunity? Yes, but the other one also left him and had no opportunity. The writer of the book of Hebrews reminds us by way of illustration of what happened to Esau uh, way back in, in the Old Testament. And this gives us an illustration. And he reminds us that Esau sold his birthright for a single meal. And then he says, for you know that afterwards, when he desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no chance to repent, though he sought it with tears. And the writer also says in another chapter, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise. We must listen to that word today because there is always that possibility that our hearts will be hard and like Esau, we will have no chance to repent. There are two ways to die. One is full of hope and leads to everlasting joy. One is full of despair and leads to everlasting distress. And I simply want to ask you today, if you've never before asked Jesus to remember you, Will you do so today? Will you do it now? Will you simply ask? When in, in a couple of minutes, we'll stand for our final song. But before that, I want us to listen to a recorded song, Behold the Man. Take this time to meditate on what we've read from God's word this morning. If you know the words and you want to sing along and worship the Lord Jesus, please do. But we'll remain seated and listen to Behold the Man.
Uh, stand and sing uh, our song, Jesus, Thank You. Yeah. 
by the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen. Amen.